When, when I was 11 years old, I moved from New Jersey to California, and uh, I'd never been on a roller coaster before. And so uh, when I was 12 years old, my best friend, Marcus Hodge, uh, said, let's go to Magic Mountain. And so we went to Magic Mountain. Our parents dropped us off. It was a different day back then. Uh, so we were 12, I was 12 years old. My parents dropped us off, and it wasn't very crowded, so the lines weren't very long. And he, he, the first ride he wanted to go on was Colossus, which back in the, you know, when I was a kid, Colossus, you know. I mean, now they have bigger roller coasters, and they're all crazy and all that kind of stuff. But back then, Colossus was the deal. I mean, that, that was it. And Marcus, I always looked up to Marcus. He matured faster than I did. He had like a beard at 12 and stuff. And he protected me because I was a little scrawny kid. And so Marcus was so excited to go on this, on this roller coaster. And while we were in line waiting, he said to me, isn't this going to be awesome? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was terrified. I was literally shaking. So, it impacted me so much, I, I really can remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember grabbing the, you know, as you kind of go down the, the things, grabbing onto the railing, just going, I, I don't, I don't want to do, nothing in me wanted to go on this roller coaster. And he's happy, and he's talking about, you know, hey, yeah, and then we'll go on this one and this one. And all I was doing was just sitting there thinking, I, I don't want to do this. So we get up, and you know, I don't know if you're, I don't know how many people here love roller coasters and how many people here hate roller coasters, but as you get closer, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> and so then you have to pick where you're sitting, and I swear to you, he goes, let's sit in the front. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, let, let's just get it over with. You know, let's just be the first ones, you know, just, you know. So you get in, and the thing goes down, you know, and they click it, and, and, and I'm just like, I don't want to be here, but I, I didn't want to say anything because I was so scared. I was so ashamed. I, I wanted to be tough and, and, and everything. So we start going up, and you know, you know that sound it makes? <laughs> that click, click, yeah. That sound, the sound that Satan made. <laughs> so it's like going click, 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 and I'm just thinking, it's just falling apart. <laughs> Doesn't anybody hear this? It's falling, the, the, the roller coaster is falling apart as we're in it. Can you hear the rattling? And I just thought, you know what? I, I've had a good life. <laughs> I'm, I'm 12. I've, I've done a lot. And, uh, you know, it's okay. It's, I, you kind of go in, you go through the seven stages, and I, I was at acceptance <laughs> at that point. I'm like, you know, I was good. I love my family, and, you know, this is good. Uh, you know, I'm doing the whole thing. I don't even know what that is. So you, you go, and you get to the top, and it's like when you're here, you're like, you know, it's not so, this isn't so bad. <laughs> and then you go, oh, snap. <laughs> and so we start over this thing, and I'm like, there's no track. Like, you know how you're just like going, did they know that there's no track? So I, I literally, I still remember this. I shut my eyes and I grabbed onto the little bar and I sh my eyes were shut the entire... I'm, I didn't... When we stopped at the end, I just got out groping. And he, my friend Marcus looks at me and he goes, that was awesome. 
And I'm like, it, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like I was, you know, I'm like, you know, okay, we're here. I'm, it's not, I'm not in heaven. You know, we went on Colossus that day 12 times. <laughs> yep. No, well, that wasn't the point. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you're not a sissy. <laughs> like, we don't have a girly pastor. Every, isn't it great? He's not a girly pastor. Okay. So, so we went on 12 times. By the end, like the 12th time, I got, I have my hands in the air. I've like worked my way out of the restraints and I'm like serving down. You're just, it's just like crazy, right? Because what happened, o- over time, I began to trust in the roller coaster. It wasn't going to kill me. Now, I mean, some people do get flung out and, it, you know, it's like every seven years, somebody gets flung out and, you know, I know, I don't know. I, so, and I can't ride roller coasters now because I actually vomit. And so, that's not the desired result uh, I want. But this is where we find Jesus right now in Matthew chapter 6, uh, 26. What, what, what's happened is everything is building up to this point. He's got a day to live, day and a half, okay? Uh, and, and, and so it, it's all culminating to this time. The whole ministry is going and the disciples are figuring out who's going to be the greatest, who's going to do this, and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 26. He says, as you know, the Passover is two days away and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Oh, snap. Does he realize there's no track here? This is, this is where they are. And so Jesus takes them through this day that was unlike any other day you can imagine. I mean, imagine what your day would look like when you knew what was coming. You knew you were going to be dead real shortly. And not just fall asleep and that's it. Let's, let's see what happened this day. Mary anoints Jesus. Okay, we'll go over that. There's a Passover meal. The Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, Jesus is handed over by Judas, Peter denies Jesus, and the trial starts. That's all in one day. I mean, you talk about a roller coaster day for the disciples, this is it. And so what I want to talk about this morning is I, I, I want us to first, if you, if you look at your bulletin and you kind of see where you fill things out, <clears throat> I, I want us to get two statements, if we could put them up here. The first is, Jesus is always advancing the kingdom. Always. When he was healing people, he was advancing the kingdom. When he was eating with people, he was advancing the kingdom. Okay, even in the midst of all of it, he's advancing the kingdom. And the the second thing I want us to see this morning is that it's not what we accomplish for Jesus, but how we respond to what he's already doing. Now, we're going to repeat that over and over again because it's very important that we understand it's not what we accomplish for God oftentimes. Oftentimes, it's how we respond to what he's already doing. The roller coaster is already going. And some people in the same roller coaster can throw their hands in the air and wave them like they just don't care. Sorry, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I did it first service too. I just, it just, I have to say it. Okay, they throw their hands in the air. Other people are like me and they're clutching on for dear life with their eyes closed. Same exact roller coaster, different response. 
And oftentimes, we, we kind of in our lives, we get so caught up with what am I doing? What am I, you know, I want to do something for God. But God's already doing something and he just wants us to respond in a healthy manner. He just wants us to respond in the right way. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at three different responses that we see in this day. And then we're going to see kind of how that uh, fits with us. And then we're going to look back to Jesus again. So uh, Matthew chapter 26, the first thing I want us to see is the devoted the devoted. That's how they respond to Jesus. And that's uh, found in verse 6. And I just want to kind of read this a little bit and set up a, what's going on. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of, of a man known as Simon the leper. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that name? That'd be cool. Uh, a woman came to him uh, with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Here's the thing with the devoted. Mary, who's the one that anointed Jesus, she came weeping. She came in full, she fully understood where she was as a sinner. And, and oftentimes in our lives, we want to do great things for God, but what God wants us to do is get, re- get back in touch with where we were and, and come to him with that response of, man, I, I, I am a sinner. And so she comes in touch with her sin and she comes prepared to worship. She brings this alabaster vial of, of perfume that was worth about a year's wages. And so she, she comes and she just wastes it on Jesus. Okay, and the disciples are indignant. And she, basically what she does is she humiliates herself. If I could paint the picture for you, here's Jesus again going through his day. He's about ready to die. And he's reclining at this place. There's Pharisees all over the place. And this woman, first of all, she's a woman. Second of all, she's a sinner. Okay, which, you know, she comes in. And uh, she's got this, and she just walks in and begins to minister to Jesus. She begins to worship Jesus. Now, catch this here, because here she is. She's down, he's reclining at the table, so he's just kicking back. She comes, and, and being in touch with her sin, being in touch with who she is, she's just weeping. And as the tears fall on, on his feet, and she has the perfume out, she begins to wipe his feet down with her hair. Now, sometimes we read this kind of stuff and we miss out on just, I mean, think about that. She, she takes her own hair and is wiping his feet. Incredible humiliation. You think it's just so weak and so, but it's so strong. Do you see how she could be really one of the strongest women in the Bible? Because the devoted don't care what anybody thinks. They don't care. They'll throw their hands in the air. They'll do this. They'll do that. They don't don't care. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to ministering to Jesus, they'll waste everything. They'll kneel down. They'll weep. It doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, unless your life looks like that, you're not devoted. Please hear me on that. These are heart issues. However your heart manifests itself outwardly when you're broken about your sin, that's all God's looking for is your heart. So maybe you just sit there and you're just quiet and there's no tears. Fine. It's the heart issue. And the devoted come and they're, they're ready to worship and it, it, it's, it's great. You know, 
In Matthew, it doesn't give all the details of the story, but in Luke, it does. And here, here's what it says. Did you? Yeah, oh, it's awesome. She kept, uh, it's a continuation from verse 37, but, and kept wiping them, her, his feet, with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. It says in Luke, um, when she learned that Jesus was at the home of Simon the leper. In other words, her ears were ready for what Jesus was doing. And somehow, somebody was talking about Jesus and said, yeah, he's over at Simon the leper's house. And she went, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over there and I'm going to worship him. And she grabbed that expensive vial of perfume, which, I mean, come on. A year's wages, done. And he says, you know what? She's done a good thing to me. Why? Because Jesus had an eternal perspective. You say, well, how, do, what, how, how does that last for all eternity? One vial and it's done and Jesus is going to die anyway and they're going to bear it. I mean, how does that last for eternity? Let me show you. This is so fantastic. In Matthew 26, verse 13. Let's, let me read this. Uh, 26, 13. It says this. I tell you the truth. Wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Now think about this. This just blows my mind. We're 2,000 years, and guess what I'm talking about? This woman, this strong woman who was able to humble herself, not care what anybody thinks, not care what the system of the day was, not care about any of that, she wanted to worship her Lord. She was devoted, and we're still talking about her, and we're going to keep talking about her. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you write the book of Matthew. You're Matthew and you're writing the book and you're writing these words. It'll be told, whenever the gospel shared, this woman's going to be told, like, I don't think my letter's going to really keep going on that long. It did. It's just awesome. It's awesome. It's the eternal perspective. That's the devoted. The second person is the deserter. The deserter. We, know, we see this in the disciples. Okay, So we move from uh, Mary and we go to this idea of the Passover. And deserters talk a big talk, but when it comes right down to it, they split, okay? And again, we're all, we all, we're all part devoted, part deserter, okay? So, so the, de, the, the deserters say this. Peter declared, okay, and we all know this story. Jesus says, you're all going to desert me. You're going to, you're going to, uh, one of you is going to betray me. And, and Peter says, no, not me. And we all come down on Peter for that. But we forget that the verse keeps going. It says this, well, Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And right after that, and all the other disciples said the same. They were all in the same boat. They all talked a great game. But when it come, came right down to it, they split. That's a deserter, because a deserter doesn't have a, a kingdom mindset. Maybe because they don't know, or they refuse to know. I mean, Peter, you know, when they came to uh, get Jesus... Peter has his sword, right? They come to get Jesus. He goes all ninja. He like whips it out. I don't know if he had, had some move or whatever, but he went to go cut off some dude's head and cut off his ear. He didn't have the, he didn't have the right perspective and maybe it wasn't his fault or whatever, but this was his idea. It was all about the flesh. They'd get distracted. If I can just paint the picture for you. Here's the Passover. It's Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he loved his disciples. They spent three years of ministry together. And when you do ministry with someone, whether you're in a small group or, you know, whatever, you grow close. 
Okay, I, Car- Pastor Carlos and I are closer now than we would be if we were just friends because we're doing ministry together. You just, go through a, you just go through a lot together. And so he go, he's going through all this stuff, and it's the last meal. And in Luke, again, some, some scriptures paint uh, more of the picture. Luke, it says this. Um, in Luke 22, verse 24. Also, a dispute arose among them. This is at the Passover right after he said, you're going to deny me. A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be greatest. <laughs> so Jesus is going to die. He, he's, 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 you know, this is it. It's the last day. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. That's a deserter. They're focused on themselves. And so what it would look like in our own life is God's doing this work. See, Jesus is always advancing the kingdom. He's always advancing the kingdom in your life. Did you, did you know right now, wherever you are, wherever person you fit in, God is trying to advance his kingdom through your life. That's why you were made, was to advance the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want your kingdom advanced through what I do down here. And what happens is we get like the disciples and we get focused on ourselves. And as we're going through this roller coaster, we look at the guy next to us and go, yeah, but what about this? Or how come I get to do that? Or why didn't, why didn't he? Or why didn't she? And we look at different things and we get focused on ourselves in our job or in school. And, you know, why, why did, you know, in school you get partnered with, sometimes they do projects together. And it's like you get the la- two lame guys who don't do anything. And then you see this other team of like the top A students. And it's like, man, what, how come that? I don't know. Right? But when we begin to focus on ourselves, we, we become a deserter because we say, you know what, God, you're not in control. It's not fair. You see that? That's, that's the mind of a deserter. They become distracted and they miss the eternal uh, significance. They also miss really cool opportunities with Jesus. We see that the deserters fell asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane when they had a chance to really be a part of something that was going to be so fantastic to be with their friend while he's going through these, these hassles. But they deserted. The last is uh, the deceived, and I won't go into too much detail with them because they're the Pharisees and Judas, and they're trying to get Jesus killed. And I would venture to guess that there's very few in here that want to you know, go after Jesus and watch him, uh, uh, wa- watch him die or whatever. I mean, it was amazing, though, to see how deceived they really were. If you look at... Um, Verse 4, it says, they, they plotted to arrest Jesus in some sly way and kill him. These were the, lead, these were the religious leaders. Now, now let, me, let me give you an example. After church today, we have a board meeting. Now, imagine if you were just walking by the board meeting, and, and I was sitting there, and I was going, okay, now, first on the agenda is, how do we kill Cece? <laughs> you know, right? How do we kill Cece? Any, any ideas? Well, you know, we could. I mean, could you imagine, right? You'd, go, you'd, be, you'd be out of this church. You'd call the cops or whatever. But this is what the religious leaders were doing. They were plotting. They were figuring out, how can we get rid of Jesus? Why? It was messing up their religion. It was uncomfortable. He was attacking them. It, 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 they weren't able to look and go, you know, we might be the problem. It also says in verse 16, it says, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. 
the deceived attack Jesus. And we, we see this. We, we see some people on talk shows or whatever that are just, that just are vicious and go after uh, Jesus or go after Christianity or whatever. But, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Here, here's my point. We're all part of this. I mean, I mean, part of, some of us go through periods of real devotion and some of us desert God. You know, in little ways, we desert Jesus. We, you know, if you're going to school and you, you have a favorite t-shirt that you wear that, you know, says Jesus freak or whatever, and then you go and you grab it and you think, ah, I'm going to wear this other one. You know, whatever. I mean, I'm just coming up with examples. I've done that before where I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't want to make a big deal out of it. And, and I've made an, a decision that wasn't for God. Right? We, we all desert in a way, or we're all at work and we're talking about something that's, that's not the right thing we should be talking about. We know we should say something. We know we should say, look, let's just leave them alone. They're not here. They can't hear us talking. Let's not gossip about them. But, but we don't because we're uncomfortable. I mean, we've all done that, right? So all of us together, you know, have different periods in our lives where we're more devoted, more deserted, more deceived, and, and, and vice versa. But here, here's where I want us to focus on in just the next part of this, in the next few minutes. Jesus is always advancing the kingdom. And oftentimes, it's not what we have to accomplish, but how we react, how we respond to what he's already doing. See, when you go back and we don't focus on Mary, and we don't focus on the disciples, and we don't focus on Judas. Under all of it is Jesus, and he's in total control the entire time. He's working. This whole day, he's working the whole day through, and he, he's in total control. It starts off with dinner at a Pharisee's house. And all of a sudden, I mean, we've planned this service out, okay? I know about what time I'm supposed to end my sermon, you know, 2 o'clock. And, um, you know, we have, it all, we have it all planned out, right? We know, I know Carlos knows how many songs he's going to sing or whatever. But if someone just, like, busts through the door here and just starts, you know, I, I'd just be like, whoa, what's going on? You know, ushers, you know, seize him and, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'd do. But that's what happens, Jesus is going through, he's having dinner, and all of a sudden this lady walks in and starts, and he's in total control. He actually uses the time when you read the other Gospels, he uses the time as a teaching moment. I mean, he's going to die. He says, you know, this is for my burial. She's done a good thing to me. This is eternal stuff here. And then he says to the person, he knows, what, he knows their thoughts. He says, knowing what they were thinking, he says to, to, to the Pharisee, he says, look, I'll just go through it quickly. He says, look, there's somebody who owes $500,000 and there's somebody who owes $5 and you forgive them both. Who's going to love you more? And the Pharisee says, well, the one that owed 500000 And he goes, yeah, those, those who are forgiven much love much. In total control, uses it as an illustration. To, he's always the teacher, right? And then, and then the, the disciples go, well, where are we going to have Passover? What are we going to do about the Passover? And Jesus says, oh, don't sweat it. You'll go into town, you'll see a certain man. He'll be carrying a pitcher of water. Ask him if you can use his house. Everything will be taken care of. What? Why? Because, and he sends Peter and John. Why? Because he knew Judas was already going to betray him. And if he had given, it, given the information to all the disciples, they would have shown up there. And Jesus wanted to have Passover with those guys. He's in total control. 
and the Passover starts and they start bickering. And if it were me, I'm telling you guys, if it were me, if I knew I was going to die and my kids were in the back seat arguing over who's going to be the greatest, I would go off, okay? <laughs> I would freak out. I'd pull the car over. I'd go, let me tell you something. I got a day left and I do not want to hear this, okay? My last day, I want to hear silence. I don't want to hear anything. Somebody go get me some coffee. I, I don't know. I was, my last day. I go, what does Jesus do? Jesus washes their feet as an example. And he goes, hey, guys, you need to do this to each other. I'm not going to be around. He says, the, kingdom, the kings of this world, they lord it over each other, but not so with you. He uses it as a teaching moment. He's, he knows he's going to die. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He says, you guys, are, one of you is going to betray me. They're all, not me, not me, not me. Judas says, me? He goes, yeah, you. He knows who's going to betray him, right? And by the way, if you ever read your scriptures and you go, well, how did, didn't all the disciples hear that? Remember, they were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. They missed that conversation, okay? And, and so Jesus knows all this. He's in control. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows, he says, it's, it's my hour. This is it. Keep watch with me this hour. It's, it's, it's going down right now. And they show up and Peter goes ninja on the guy and his ear falls off. Jesus grabs it, just heals him. Hey, hey, simmer down. <laughs> okay? He, the guy's healed. I mean, you, this power, this control is incredible. When you read in John about what happened, it's so awesome. They come and they say, they got their, pole, their sticks and their swords. Because you wonder, if Peter cut off the ear, why didn't they all just rush him and everybody start stabbing each other? Here's why. In John, it says when they show up, they go, hey, we're looking for Jesus. And he goes, I am he, and they all fall back. Now, when that happens to you and all of a sudden a sword fight starts, I'm like, yeah, no sweat, I'm cool. Easy, don't do the I am he thing again because that kind of freaked me out, right? And they, they all split on him. He didn't yell out, where are you going? He said, hey guys, I've been in the temple every day. Why, why are you coming to me now? Total control. And so as we look at our own lives, as we examine our lives and we say, well, am I devoted? Am I, am I a deserter? Am I deceived? I mean, whatever. Know this. That the designer of your roller coaster, the roller coaster of life that you're on right now, knows exactly what's going on. I mean, think about a roller coaster. I mean, its whole job is to design, it's designed to make you think you're going to die, <laughs> right? I mean, but there's so much that goes into designing a roller coaster. I mean, you, you know, they know they've done stress tests. They know how many G-forces when you go around this. They know exactly how long the ride takes. They know exactly how many cars to put on, who to have in what car, all this kind of stuff. There's a lot that goes into designing a roller coaster, and there's a lot that went into designing your life. And Jesus is in total control. Now, some of us are on the wrong roller coaster, okay? We've made decisions and we've hopped off the one God has for us and we're off. You know, you know, you know in the amusement parks and they have like a little line and you're supposed to go up and like, okay, I'm over the line. It's safe for me to go on this roller coaster. Some of us are on roller coasters where the line is like way up there and we shouldn't be there because we're, we're doing this to ourselves, okay? And it's not the way God designed it. 
So if you're in a real abusive relationship or you're, you know, whatever. I mean, these things that we get ourselves into, you know, substances and things we shouldn't be watching and things we shouldn't be focusing on and families we shouldn't be leaving to go higher and higher raises, all this kind of stuff. We put ourselves a lot of times on the wrong roller coaster. But listen, God did not design us a life that's, that just goes like this. It's impossible. He didn't do that. It's not the... Uh, what is it, the tram? You know, we try to want to get our life like the you know, Disneyland, the monorail. <laughs> like, oh, this is nice. It, it'll get me from this destination to this destination. And God's like, no, no, not the monorail. Click, 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 click. Oh, snap. Here we go. <laughs> and the whole time, listen, God is in control. And you know what he wants you to do? He wants you to put your hands in the air and just go, I don't have any control but I know you do. I love, don't miss this part, please. I love this. So it's not just that he's a good designer and he's in control. And he goes, ah, you know, sit your butt in the thing and uh, you know, go and you'll be fine. You know, when you come off, you'll tell me you loved it. Trust me, right? He doesn't do that. Listen, I love this. In Luke chapter 22, verse 15, listen to his heart here. He planned the Passover, they didn't have any idea how he did it or whatever. And this is what he says. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. See, he longs for relationship. He doesn't long just to slap you into your life and ha- you know, put the restraints down and go, see you later, have a nice day. He wants to sit right next to you, go, try lifting your hands up. It's awesome, right? He, he, Jesus longed to be with them at the Passover even knowing they were all going to desert him. He longs for that relationship. You see his heart, that your life wasn't just planned. So like, yeah, don't worry. You'll have some ups. You'll have some downs. Everything will be all right in the end. He wants to ride it with you. He wants to get you to maybe take your hands off of the the restraints maybe one time. And sometimes we're just clutching on. We're just like, no, there's no way. I'm going to die. And he's like, man, if you look out to your right, you can see your house from here. You ever do that when you're on those things and you like look out to the side and you're like, good gracious, I'm up high, right? He wants you to enjoy it. Let me share another verse with you real quick. He said um, at the Garden of Gethsemane, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Go through this time with me. And let me tell you guys, some of us are on our roller coaster and we are like this and we're going, oh, snap. But listen, God is in total control. I, Pastor Carlos and I were at a, um, a small retreat for pastors uh, last week, uh, all the pastors in our conference. And uh, we went to, the, to hear this one guy, uh, this pastor, and, uh, who was completely burnt out. He had this great ministry, everything was going fine, and, and uh, walked in one day to his board, put his letter of resignation down and said, I don't, don't even com- try to convince me I'm not coming back. And he was done, which is common. It's common in the ministry. 63% of all pastors would quit their job tomorrow if they had, if they had a job that they thought they could do. 63%. That's incredible. That's not me. I, I can find another job and I'll be fine. No, okay. Okay. So, so, here's the thing. so here's the thing. So, so this guy, this is what happened. And he goes, he goes, I can't take it anymore. 
And he leaves and he goes into counseling. He was just kind of sharing with us. It, went, it fit right along with this sermon. He, 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 he sits down and just goes, everything's out of control. And the counselor goes, write down what you can control. And he started thinking, well, my finances are out of control. Can you control your finances? No. You can't control your finances. I mean, we think we can. We can, be, we can try to be good stewards. We can try not to spend you know, so much on jujubes. I mean, we can do all this kind of stuff, but you can't control your finances. You don't know what the market's going to do. You don't know what's going to happen. Inflation takes off, and we're done, guys. Okay? I don't mean to scare you, but there you go. Have a nice day. Roller coaster. Ah, you know, right? You can't control it. You can't control your health. You can eat right. You can eat carrots. You know, right? That's awesome. But uh, Carlos and I have a dear friend. He doesn't have much longer to live. He's young. He ate very well. You can't control your health. You can't control your kids. No, okay, I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> you, can, you can do the best you can. You can raise them up in the way of the Lord, and then they won't try. I mean, you could do all that kind of stuff, but they're going to end up making their own decisions. Right? Kids, you can't control your parents, you know, you want to. I wish I could. But when you start getting older and your parents start getting older, you wish you could control your parents. I can't control my parents. I can't control anything. Here's, here's the, here, listen. Here's the only thing you can control. The only thing you can control is your response to how you deal with what's out of control. Okay? The only thing you can control is your response to what's out of control. Jesus is always advancing his kingdom. Sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes, I mean, it, it, who, who knows how it looks in your own life? And, and it's not about what we accomplish, but how we respond to what he's already doing. And what he's doing for you is going to be out of your control. Now listen, how you respond to what's out of control is how you respond to God who's in control. I'm going to say it one more time. How you respond, I did it again. This thing always, it scared me again. How you respond to God, how you respond to those things that are out of control is how you respond to God who is in control. Because it's going to come down, we're going to have these times in our lives. We're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Things that are completely out of our control. How you respond to those things is how you respond to God. 